0: Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Join Gabriel and his food hero guests every Wednesday on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So.
1: Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so happy to have Ice Sanford of Foolproof Living with me here on the show today. Ice was born with itchy feet. She grew up in Turkey, lived 10 years in the States four years in the British Virgin Islands, and has recently moved back to the U.S. A food and lifestyle photographer and full-time blogger, she is a firm believer that if you know how to read, you know how to cook. On Foolproof Living, Ice shares easy-to-follow recipes that are healthful and full of flavor, as well as stories about her travels. Ice, it's so wonderful having you here today.
0: Thank you for having me, Gabriel.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Ice. Well, let's start from the beginning. You grew up in Turkey. What was that like?
0: It was awesome. I grew up in a town called Bursa, southeast of Istanbul, two 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 and a half hours uh, south of Istanbul. Very well known with its kebab. It was awesome. Like, you know, great food. If you've ever been to Turkey, it's amazing food.
1: How would you describe a typical Turkish meal?
0: A typical Turkish meal would have some meat, some rice or bulgur, and uh, a good salad a you know like tapas kind of dish more like we call it meze it's a celebration and some fruit afterwards
1: yeah and what is something that's a turkish just that that you just love
0: oh my goodness i am a big fan of breakfast i'm a morning person i like to get up early and have breakfast and to this day i do a lot of you know like Toast and feta cheese, like feta cheese is so big in Turkey and olives. My American friends here make fun of me because I eat olives in the morning. But, you know, olives, jam, like uh, cherry jam and uh, homemade marmalade and different cheeses. But mostly feta cheese is big, big back home.
1: So would you say that feta cheese is that one thing that I mean, you can get it in different places in the world, but it just doesn't taste quite the same as in Turkey for you?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if this is the right thing to say, but I don't think that if you have not tasted the feta cheese in Turkey, you it's amazing there. Like really, it's so fatty and so delicious. And I just love it. And I have a lot of friends like ask me, how can you live without this? Like, I know it's hard. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's my favorite thing. Do you get a chance to go back to Turkey from time to time to get that feta cheese?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, now we're lucky because like right now I'm in Atlanta and uh, there's a Turkish supermarket here. So I get to try some of that and they make it here, actually. So I'm lucky I get to eat some good feta cheese.
1: Cool. Well, from Turkey, you moved to the States and then spent four years in the British Virgin Islands. Now, as we mentioned before, we started recording. I don't know very much about the British Virgin Islands. Right, right. I mean, I didn't know it
0: either. <laughs> I didn't even know where it was. You know, I, I knew it was in the Caribbean, but you
1: know. Yeah. Well, what is the food culture like on the islands?
0: It's a a combination of a lot of food cultures. When you're talking about Caribbean, you have so many little islands and little cultures in there, and they're all living together. So we were living on this small island called Virgin Gorda. It's a 9-mile long island, a half an hour ferry ride right from the Big Island, Tortola, which is like the, you know, the the city, a big big capital basically. And each island has islanders from the neighboring islands like Jamaica, Dominica, Dominican Republic, you know, Nevis and Kitts. So they all bring their own culture and we would have these like little food gatherings you know every so often on the island and you get to taste a lot of different cuisines like we were just talking about it with some friends the other day and one of those uh, we heard that Nevis and St Kitts they eat they, those people eat a lot of monkey monkey meat because they have so many monkeys over there and you know it's just a part of culture and you know I went there because I try to eat everything at least know the taste of it <laughs> and like it was gone like right after you know they opened it, their area whatever it just it was just gone and my husband was like I can't eat that it's too close to home but <laughs> for me it was I wanted to taste it but a lot of curry they eat a lot of curry chicken seafood is big and you know a lot of sweet tastes like you know putting pineapple coconut you know those are obviously in abundance so
1: yeah. I mean, I guess it's also, you know, very local, the food there.
0: True. Very, very much so. The island that we were living, living on in particular wasn't a very... They didn't have any food of themselves. Like, they weren't growing anything because the soil was not that good. But the neighboring islands, especially like islands like Dominica, Dominican Republic, we were getting a lot of food from those places.
1: Right, right. Well, did you notice any differences or similarities in how people in, in Turkey, the U.S. and the British Virgin Islands approach and share food?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, as I was growing, I was very involved in the, you know, the cooking part of the, you know, our daily life. Like my mom was working and I would come home from school around 4, 4.30 and I would like just literally go into the kitchen, start prepping the salad and then my mom would come and like she would start cooking and like it was my job to make sure that the salad was good and ready so I mean like I don't remember like her worrying about like me playing with knife or like you know we were just together And she would ask me, like, what I've done throughout the day. Like, she would make me talk. And later, you know, when I became an adult, she told me a couple of times that, like, she was so worried that I would feel alone as an only child. Like, she wanted to be a friend to me. So, you know, obviously, we're just so close. And she taught me everything I know. So, like, and then, like, after the preparations, we would sit at a table together, like, eat and talk about our day. That was, like, the norm in our household. But... You know, and I really didn't know that this isn't the norm until I went off to college. You know, like I realized people don't really eat dinner together. So that was kind of like how I grew up. And then I tried to continue with that as I moved around. And luckily, my husband is really into, you know, like having uh, sitting down at a table and just really talking about our day. So and same goes for. You know, British Virgin Islands, people really like to get together and just eat together and, you know, enjoy the food.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure that the atmosphere and the environment there is very conducive to uh, sharing and, uh, and enjoying life.
0: Absolutely. You know, everybody is outdoors, you know, it's just so beautiful and so warm. You don't really have any winters and beach on Sundays or any day of the week, basically. We were just so lucky to be there.
1: Right. Ice. With all your travels, have you picked up recipes and cooking techniques from the places you've lived? Can you share maybe some of the things you've learned from your travels?
0: Yeah, actually, one of my favorite recipes, it's on the blog as well, is huevos rancheros. I am a big fan of huevos rancheros. And we a couple of years ago, we went to San Miguel de Allende. And... There, it was like a four-day trip, and we ordered my husband and I like went to different quite different restaurants every morning and ordered uh, huevos rancheros uh, every single day just to um, find like what is the best one. Like you know, if you think about it, it's just like eggs and you know served with some sort of a sauce and you know some uh, over a corn tortilla. But this one place called uh, Posada Corazon, a small inn in the heart of the city, had the best. Like, absolutely the best huevos ranchos because the, uh, the cook made this pasilla sauce, chili sauce. And it was just phenomenal. She didn't speak English, and I didn't speak good Spanish. And we tried to, like, really, you know, like, communicate. But it came to a point where it was just, like, not working. She was trying to show me what she used and stuff. But then I went to the hotel and made the person at the front desk call her and get the recipe. And since then, it's, like, our favorite, favorite dish. And I share that on the blog. So I think that would be a really good example.
1: Yeah. So. What's the secret to making an amazing huevos rancheros? I mean, you sampled them from a, a several places. So what's the secret?
0: Yeah, it is the sauce, in my opinion. I mean, I'm obviously not Mexican, though I feel like I may have been in my previous life because I like everything Mexican food. I think the sauce is very important. You want to make sure. And it's so funny because they use... This lady used uh, dried peppers, pasilla peppers, and like she boiled them with some tomatoes and peppers, salt and pepper. It's just so simple. And then, you know, she put it through a blender and, you know, just it's that simple. It's not really that much of a difficult thing, but it was amazing. And. I've had a lot of people make that recipe and nothing but like amazing raving results. And if you're looking for a good Mexican huevos rancheros, obviously it's made Mexican, but if you're looking for a good recipe, I highly recommend that recipe. It's just phenomenal.
1: Cool. Well, from a place where you've lived or maybe traveled to, was there a dish or food that took a little bit of getting used to and acquired taste that maybe now you cannot live without?
0: It's actually in Chicago. Chicago is one of my favorite cities because my best friend lives there. There is a place called Guilt Bar, and they have bone marrow, this, like, beautiful bone marrow they roasted. And, you know, I knew about bone marrow. I mean, it was just, like, you know, bone marrow, so what. But this thing blew my mind. <laughs> they served it with some red onion jelly, it's unbelievable. I mean, I know a lot of people are vegetarian, and it may be may not sound that good, but this dish was amazing to me. So I've I've been thinking about creating a recipe with that. It was just phenomenal. So I I just didn't know how good it tasted. So
1: yeah, bone marrow is is pretty special, and, and I think relatively recently it's become a bit more popular to have bone marrow, I guess, at, at restaurants. Right. Well, ice your blog, foolproof living. How did it come about? Were you already photographing food before you started your blog?
0: Not really. After we moved to the British Virgin Islands, I struggled a little bit. And I thought I could find a job as a hotelier. But in those small islands, work opportunities are very limited. And when there's a job, it's for their own people. So my husband was working all day long and, you know, he would come home late. I was at home by myself and, you know, my mom and I would talk during the day, you know, like we were on Skype, we would talk and, you know, the first six months was wonderful. You know, I would go to the beach, read books and, you know, enjoy, you know, being a housewife and like the the gorgeous beaches in the world. And, and, but then after a while, it's starting like, okay, what am I doing? And, you know, we put that idea uh, on the table where I would go to like Miami or Puerto Rico would work a little bit. And I was telling this about this to my mother and she said, you know, over my dead body. I'm like, what does that mean? Because, you know, couples stay together, live together, stay together, play together, stay together. And I was like, whatever, you know, mom, we're adults. And uh, next morning after this conversation, um, we got a phone call from my dad saying that my mom is not doing well. And a couple of days after that, she passed away and that was just very hard for me. That um, next six months after that was just, just heartbreaking. And it was like a, a wake up call where, okay, I have to do find something and find something to do that I'm happy to do. And, you know, I have to stay here after that. I couldn't like go somewhere because that was our last conversation. And that's what she told me. Like, I'm so glad she did. I I really am so glad she did because you know that this is how I was like. Okay, I love cooking. I cook for my husband all all the time. Why don't I just photograph it? And you know, I love photography. And you know, I was like this unknowing person with a camera all the time. You know, like growing up. And my father was really into photography, so I knew the basics. And. You know, and I really like Martha Stewart and she had like Martha Stewart living. And then I was like, you know what, why don't I go with foolproof living? You know, maybe I can be a Martha Stewart one day. And that's how how it all started. And, and I love it. You know, I wouldn't want to do anything else.
1: Wow. That's a very personal story. And thank you for sharing that ice. Sure. Do you have, you mentioned that you were inspired a little bit through Martha Stewart Living magazine. Right. Do you have some go-to sources for inspiration, be it you know whether you're making something for the blog or photography inspiration?
0: Absolutely! Oh my goodness, a lot. For food, actually, good friends, uh, blogger friends. I follow uh, one of my really good friends, Emily, the Clever Carrot. Uh, she's a big inspiration for me. She's like a mom of two, and her recipes are written for like busy moms. I love her her work. I also love Eva of Adventures in cooking, I think her, especially when she bakes, just beautiful. Also, I follow Cook's Illustrated magazine, America's Test Kitchen. I really like what they're doing. I also love like chef books and like, you know, Thomas Keller, Otolenghi and, you know, Jamie Oliver, Rick Bailey's. I follow them. I mean, I don't find their recipes. um, Some of their recipes all uh, conducive for home cooks, but, you know, like they use the the best techniques or like things that not, not necessarily home cooks would uh, use. So as a food blogger or foodie, I, I feel like it's my job to like really share those things with them.
1: Cool. As a food and lifestyle photographer and full-time blogger, every day must be so different. Can you share what a typical day for you might look like?
0: Sure. It depends. If if it's a day that I am, you know, kind of doing a research as to what recipe I'm going to make uh, for the blog or if I'm working with a company, what kind of like, you know, styling and photography I'm going to do It's I call those days office days. I would, you know, like whatever is seasonal, I would do a little research as to what I'm going to make. And that's, you know, when I sit down and like look at recipes, Pinterest and find inspiration as to what I can make. Also, I spend a quite quite amount of time on social media just to kind of see what everyone is up to and then read my favorite blogs and, like, you know, write for the blog and like those, like, Edmund kind of days. And then if it's a day where I am photographing, then it's a whole different day. I start usually early in the morning uh, progress of, you know, making the dish. So I start early and, and make sure I you know, have enough time and good light to photograph. And then, you know, spend the rest of the day uh, reading through other blogs and just, you know, trying to get some inspiration from them.
1: Cool. Now, when you're writing, do you have a specific time of day where, you know, you're the most productive, I guess, or most creative?
0: Okay, so... I am a morning person. I like to get up really early, like 5.36. And like those are like, as soon as I wake up, I sit in front of my computer and like try to start writing. But I have to say, it's really difficult to write for me because it's one, English is not my first language. And two, you know, it's a potato recipe. How can I like make that interesting? You know, I want to tell people about the potato, but then I want them to know about me too. So I think, you know, the writing part is my least favorite, but it's necessary. So if I get up early and just like, you know, when I'm fresh and feeling good, if I can write most of the time, those are the easier times for me to write. So yeah, early in the morning.
1: <laughs> How long would you say a, a blog post takes you from beginning to the end product?
0: I would say like 12 hours at least, you know, for I'm testing the recipe to, Making the recipe, shopping for it, writing, editing, photographing, editing, you know, making sure it's published through social media and the website and distributed to all the channels. It's a lot of work.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, Ice, here at the Dinner Special, we talk with food heroes about dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish or two that are very special to you and that you'd like to share with us?
0: I actually, so the house I grew up in is still, my father still lives there, has 12, like in, in our backyard, we have olive trees. And like, you know how in the uh, big fat Greek wedding, there's Windex, you know? Yep. Olive oil was that in our house. So uh, because we, we would, you know, sell our olives or like get some oil made. So like olive oil was a big part of our, my me growing up. And it was so delicious. I mean... My father still, you know, does that. And you can drink this olive oil. It's so good. And like soap was made from olive oil and everything. So olive dishes, olive oil dishes in Turkey are big. We call them like Mediterranean style. So now like green beans are in season. You can just basically saute some, you know, onions and just a little bit of, you know, olive oil, onion, salt, pepper, and then put some green beans in there and just, a little bit of salt and a little bit of sugar and cook that. You can eat it like cold, warm, however you want, with just a little bit of yogurt on top, garlic yogurt. So that's kind of like my go-to dish in summertime. And then I also love this, my mom's beef stew. I call it beef stew starter. Two ingredients, one onion and a pound or two pounds of stew meat. Just put it in low heat and for like two, three hours in a Dutch oven You know, like forget about it for three hours and then put it in your fridge and you can add it to, you know, roasted vegetables, you can add it to pasta dishes, or you can just make a, you know, mushroom tomato sauce. This thing is a lifesaver. I always have it in my fridge. It's just, you know, this beef stew starter is is my favorite thing to cook.
1: So you can put just any type of meat with onion, I guess? No, actually
0: my best, you know, like my preference is usually the beef, beef. Okay like stew beef. Yeah. I've tried it with some chicken and you know like it's just not as good. Like this slow and low and slow method works for beef stew.
1: Great. Well, let's say that you were having a dinner party and you were inviting three famous people over to share your slowly cooked beef stew with <laughs> who would you invite over?
0: I am really fascinated by good food photographers and like their work and I try to try to learn from them and one of those people her name is Penny de de las Santos I really like her work and her TED talk is my favorite TED talk of all times I also love Ayala Hernando she is a a Spanish uh, photographer food photographer lifestyle photographer I also love Aran Gayoga. I would like to meet those three people I would love to invite them
1: perfect. And if you had them over and you were sharing your meal with them and this was a, a movie and a dinner situation, what movie would perfectly suit this event?
0: I think my favorite movie of all times is The Legends of the Fall. I really like that movie with Brad Pitt. Yeah. yeah like I don't know if I would watch movies with them. I would <laughs> ask too many questions for them, but yeah, Legends of the Fall.
1: It could be quietly in the background.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Great. Well, I I call the next part of the dinner special podcast, The Pressure Cooker. Yes, I'm going to ask you seven (laughs) fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? I am. Awesome. Number one, which food shows or cooking shows do you watch?
0: America's Test Kitchen.
1: Number two, what are some food blogs or food websites we have to know about?
0: I love Artful Desperado. Uh, Gabriel, just his work, his photography takes my breath away. I love Beaujon Gourmet and the uh, Al- Alana; she's amazing. Her recipes to me, like they're all doable. I want to make everything. I also like the Clever Carrot Emily; she's really talented. I mean, there's so many Snickers Kitchen I love, and uh, Adventures in Cooking. Those are some that I really like.
1: Awesome. Uh, number three. Who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat that make you happy?
0: Oh my goodness, there are so many people. There is a, a, an account on Pinterest and Instagram uh, called A Daily Something. Okay. I really like that. Wit and Delight, I really like. There's another girl on Instagram, Mmezal Poirot. Her photography is amazing. Her color schemes, those are the, those
1: are the ones that I really enjoy. Great. Number four. What is the most unusual or treasured item you have in your kitchen?
0: My mom's mixing bowls.
1: Awesome. Oh, those must be really special for you. <laughs> Number five, name one ingredient you used to dislike that you now love.
0: I can't say I love it, but I'm working on it. And this is so, in a way, embarrassing to say as a food blogger living in the U.S. Bacon. What? <laughs> I know. Can you believe that? I know. I know. It's because I, we didn't eat bacon growing up in Turkey and, you know, like going back to that, like, I want to know the taste of everything kind of thing, but it's just that smell. I can't get used to it. Now I'm starting slow eating, you know, just pork products in general. Uh, so prosadas, prosciutto's, like I'm, I'm still learning to love it, you know, like slowly but surely because I know <laughs> there are like so many things you can You know, like the uh, belly, pork belly is obviously big. It's just, to me, the smell is something that I'm getting used to. But hopefully one day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're getting there.
0: I am, yes. I am trying.
1: (laughs) Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better?
0: Flavor Bible is, like, I go to supermarket with vegetarian flavor Bible. Because like I said, we have a farmer's market here and you can find every kind of vegetable in there. And like some of them I've never seen, but I'd like to try. So I go there and look what is what would match with this. That's a very a good resource if you're creating recipes or if you're like trying to finish stuff in your fridge and don't know what matches with what. Uh, Cooks Illustrated is a really good resource for me because like if you don't know something, just go there and um, look. And then some food blogger. Cookbooks. I think those those gals are like some guys and gals. They're just doing amazing job. Like Seven Spoon Cookbook is like a go to cookbook. I made a lot of things in there. Yeah, Jamie Oliver is really good. Thomas Keller. If you want to learn like how to do certain things the professional way, those are the ones that I go to often.
1: Perfect. And finally, number seven. What song or album just makes you want to cook?
0: I like anything Sia. Lately, I'm like. Really, really impressed with her voice, and just just love it, see ya
1: awesome, well, congratulations, ice. You have officially survived the pressure cooker yes, thank you <laughs> ice. Thank you for being here on the dinner special podcast with me today. You're on social media. What's the best way for us to keep posted with all the wonderful things you're up to
0: i um uh, do. Uh, update my Instagram regularly as well as Facebook. Facebook is Foolproof Living and Instagram is icicle.samper. You can find me there.
1: Yeah. And of course, your blog is foolproofliving.com. Yes, it is. Thank you so much, Ice, again, for taking the time to chat with me today. I hope you had a good time. I really got a lot out of our conversation. So thank you very much.
0: I did too. Thank you so much, Gabriel, for having me.
1: It's my pleasure thank you for listening head on over to the dinnerspecial.com for recipes highlights from every show super blog articles and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social
0: media your culinary journey awaits so let's get cooking